Hello and welcome to this special edition of the Russian Football News Podcast, where we're going to bring you an insight into football into Chechnya, of course, that autonomous republic of Russia. As usual, I've got with me Andrew Flint, a writer from Russian Football News. Hey, Thomas, how are you doing? I'm okay, thank you. And of course, the website editor and what I would refer to as the Chechnya and the Kadyrov specialist is Toka Thilade, website editor. Hey, Thomas, always a pleasure. Good stuff. Okay, so we may as well get this straight underway. And just just for those, I mean, I don't know how much the listeners really know about Chechnya and its history. So just a, a quick thing, really, is that it's a, like I mentioned before, it's an autonomous, one of these autonomous republics in Russia, which has its own sort of central government, um, led by Ramzan Karirov, who's got a bit of personality cult around him. He's uh, been essentially put in place by Putin to keep things under wraps because there was... Uh, couple of wars in Chechnya in the 90s and the 2000s where there was a lot of nationalism that Russia sort of had to put down essentially in their view. Um, before the man at the moment Ramzan Kadyrov, who we'll get into a lot more detail about, uh, it was his father Ahmad and so in the first Chechnyan war he was on the side of Chechnyans, the locals, and then in the second war he switched to the, um, the Russian side so therefore it's a bit more favourable on Russian side. So I mean, Toker, I've given a very, very brief thing there. Is there anything that you'd like to sort of add that you think the listeners should work, should know? Yeah, well, I think it's it's important to notice that for a very long time, Chechnya has wanted to to become independent from Russia. That's that's what the two uh, Chechen wars were basically about. Chechnya well, they, wanted to become independent. They and, wanted to uh, be independent, like the Baltics, it, after the, in the nineties, but that never happened for them, of course. Yeah, exactly, and that that um, actually Chechnya um, declared independence all the way back in 1917, uh, and it was recognized by mo- most Western country, uh, countries. And then it was invaded by Russia in 1921 and became a Soviet republic. And yeah, then history happened and was has been a part of Russia or the Soviet Union ever since. And for for a large time of history, it has been somewhat repressed for example um for example uh during stalin 500,000 people were deported and they weren't allowed to return to the republic until stalin uh, died um so yeah and then when russia became independent with the soviet union fell chesnia again declared independence like so many other countries but again it was it was turned down this time by uh, by boris yeltsin yeah, and the the reason we're sort of doing this special now is there's been big news recently in uh, in Chechnya because of this sort of this. Well, I don't really want to put my words wrong here, but what I would call a sort of a roundup of gays in the republic, which is pretty sickening, really. Where sort of gay, there's a big strong Islamic um, law there that they impose, really, which is very homophobic, and they sort of round these people up and they've tortured them, and it's been some people have had to escape, and it's just listening to some of these stories of the torture has been absolutely horrendous. So that's really why we're going into it now. But, I mean, Andrew, you've you've seen this news, obviously. I mean, it's strange. That there's, obviously, we'll move on to the football quite shortly, but this is very important that Chechnya, such as its sort of, I don't know, it's such its stubbornness, I suppose, in a way, is probably the wrong word, that they're denying it. It's odd. Well, it's, I mean, first and foremost, like you say, Thomas, it's just, it's sickening to read about. And I even read one report, I think it was The Independent, that reported that um, three men in one of these centres had actually died. 
and it's i mean i i can't understand any i can't understand any cultural belief that thinks this is acceptable um and nobody can defend it there's absolutely no defense whatsoever and it does raise a lot of issues not just i mean we will mention of course like you say the football connection to this effect but it's um the problem is for me that within russia there are so many so many varied cultures i can't ever begin to comprehend the the breadth of all of them but from outside russia most people assume russia is 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 one culture is one race is one nation and i'm only slowly beginning to get to grips with this having lived here for for seven and a half years and the the relationship between chechnya and and many other regions within russia is is very very complex like you guys alluded to at the at the top of our podcast the relationship of the the Kadyrovs and how they've changed their well changed their allegiance and the the religions within the within Chechnya it's it's so so hard to to get to grips with and for me it's it's just awful to see these stories come out and uh, the only thing I can hope is that you know in the context of football that it will bring a huge amount of attention to the uh, to the region and they'll be shamed into um having to having to change it it's just uh, it's unacceptable it can't can't be defended in any level and i don't buy the religious grounds for implementing these just uh, heinous centers and 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 practices so my hope is that football will be a force for good in the sense that with obviously the world cup coming to russia that the attention will be so great they'll be forced to to back down, basically. Yeah, I mean, Toko, I want to talk about Kadyrov in a second, and this will link to him. So Alvi Karimov of the Chechen government has said that these accusations are a lie because you can't harass and detain people who don't exist in the Republic. Now, I want to move that on to Kadyrov. He's quite a popular figure in um, Chechnya, and we'll, we'll really go into this. This is something I'm quite keen to get into. Now, he's rebuilt the area. You can't deny that. After the wars, it was a complete mess. And he's really sort of brought it back. He's the biggest mosque in Europe, I think it is in Grozny. Is that right? But at what price is this? You know, and there's, yeah, well, that's the question here. What price is that? And the fact that Kadarov has such a role in Chechnya, how, what can be done here? Well, it, I think looking at the price, it's, it's pretty easy. I mean, it's the, the price has been basic human rights and it has been personal freedom, freedom of speech, all these things, because there's there's really nothing going on in Chechnya that Kadyrov doesn't control or um, or know about. I mean, there have been so many reports of, for example, vigilantes uh, driving around Grozny, shooting at women who doesn't dress according to Islamic code. They have they have, they have made laws that forbid women to dress in, in certain ways. I mean, they all have to follow Islamic code by wearing the, um, uh, to cover their hair, to cover their bodies, all these things. And Kadyrov has publicly expressed his support for people, for, for the vigilantes upholding these very strict social rules and uh, Islamic rules. So, there's there's very little freedom, in but also when when you say that he has rebuilt uh, Chechnya, that's that's definitely true. But it has to be said that he has he has focused on Grozny. I mean, Grozny has been rebuilt, and Grozny is is these days considered safe. But there's still sporadic fighting in 
in the mountains, in the rural areas. And we have, I believe it's it's around three to four thousand Chechens have joined ISIS in the last in the last couple of years. And so it, it it's still not um regarded as a safe place. It's still not the um it, it, it there's still a very long way to go, of course, and it is the um some people even say that the reason for Chechnya to be safe these days is because many of the the most hardcore fighters and rebels have actually joined uh, ISIS and left Russia. So it is still still a very problematic uh, place, and of course that's that's probably also why that Russia didn't choose it as a as a World Cup venue. Yeah, there's no surprises there. Now I want to move on to the football here, and I mentioned very briefly earlier Ahmad, the sort of the father figure of Chechnya, and the main reason to link this to the football is the actual name of the club. So uh, the name of the club is Respublikanski Futbolni Klub Terek Grozny Imeni A.A. Kadirova. So, i.e., in the name of Ahmad Kadirov. Now, Toka, we've seen football fans boycott Terek in the past, but give us a, a quick brief history of Terek as a football club. Well, Terek hasn't really been considered um, a powerhouse or a club even to... Even to regard in, in in Russian or Soviet football, I mean, it was it was a pretty irrelevant club in in the last picture. But then in two thousand four, as the first team not in the in the Premier League, they played in the FNL at the time. They won the Russian Cup and they became the first team outside of uh, Moscow or Saint Petersburg to actually win the cup. So of course that was a huge a huge achievement. But many fans around the country, of course, in the in the north of club in the Moscow in the uh, in Senate suspected that the whole tournament was fixed just to get Terry to win the cup as a way for the, the Russian government to show that Chechnya was now a safe place, that it was a developed place. Um, of course, this hasn't been proved at all, but there is this suspicion that among many fans that that Terek is, is sort of based on a lie and based on uh, getting a lot of help from, from, from the state in, in this regard. Um, and yeah, it was it was generally seen as as a way to, okay, we we have to unite Chechnya, give give them this big football triumph for people to, and a big football team that people can care about instead of all this uh, tension going on. I mean, Andrew Terek aren't in the Russian Premier League now, of course. They're not a team that sits around the bottom. They push for Europe pretty much every season. So this problem could really escalate. I mean, the th- the thing is as well, Terek is seen as sort of a symbol of reconstruction of Chechnya, of peace, if you like. But the other hand, the other side of the coin is that it legitimises the regime there. It is the most complicated issue, yeah. And you're absolutely, you're absolutely right, Thomas. I mean, they've been on the verge of, like you say, qualifying for Europe so many times. They've fallen away in the second half of seasons, but it really is not going to take much for for them to get over the edge and qualify for Europa League. Um, before long, I don't think, and and then it really is a major issue. And quite honestly, unless this, unless the situation that we mentioned briefly um, earlier, unless that changes, I can't see UEFA giving them permission to play games uh, in Chechnya because it could easily be branded against um, well against political law. Even um, you know, I would imagine. Uh, they would be forced to play games in Moscow, or at least outside Chechnya, if it, unless things changed. Um, and th- this is the thing about football clubs. They they do become more powerful than just clubs. They are, like you say, symbols of 
the the region, the regime that they represent. And, you know, we've seen, obviously, Kadarov loves the show. He loves his presence on social media. Um, you know, we saw last year when, when it was uh, Vladimir Putin's birthday and he got a banner covering the entire pit saying that, the greatest president, knowing full well that he was going to get the support um, from that. But it it does legitimise. I mean, I'm not saying it should do. Of course, it shouldn't at all. But it is the nature of, you know, of competition, of of high profile friendlies being played in the area. Um, so honestly, I think it's, it's going to be a very thorny issue if they do qualify. It's looking this season like they won't. Um, they're, they're not in the best of form. They, they lost yesterday to, to Angie. So I think that's about their chance gone for this season. Um, but it won't be long before a difficult decision has to be made. And, and honestly, I, I can see it being very, very messy if they do qualify for Europa League. Yeah, Toka, Andrew mentioned sort of the social media aspect and we've been talking a lot about Kadyrov Ramzan. This is the, the guy who's sort of in the known, in charge now. But he's sort of built this big personality cult and essentially he's got unlimited access to the funds of Chechnya because it's his football team, isn't it? I mean, like I said, at the very top of the show, I sort of called, jokingly called you the Kadyrov expert. But I know you've actually got quite a lot of opinions on it and you know quite a lot about it so just for those listeners go into sort of the depths of Ramzan Kadyrov and his connections with Terek because he's not actually the official president so as much as UA so that really ties in with the UEFA thing we were talking about well yeah he's not he's not the official president anymore he his official title is uh, honorary president so he doesn't really hold a spot in the uh, at the club but at the end of the day, he's the run, running the show. Like in all of Chechnya, he's the guy deciding. He's the guy getting the funds from um, from the central government, of course. And let's be fair, Chechnya gets a lot of money because it, it is it is a huge job keeping the the region stable. So Kadyrov has uh, access to almost unlimited funds, which he, <laughs> as we have already spoken about, uses on. A lot of different stuff, like building a huge mosque and naming it after his father. Uh, it's also called the the Ahmad Kadyrov Mosque. So, and then yeah, he has built a brand new football stadium for Terek. He has spent a lot of money on the on the academy, on on the first team, getting maybe maybe not big outside expensive signings like uh, like Anju did, but still a lot of a lot of very good football players and spent a lot of money on the team. Uh, and he is an Every basically every every home game he's always filmed. He's standing in the president lounge uh, with his entourage, so he's very very visible around the team. And then about his social media, he's also very, especially on Instagram, he's uh, it's almost like a celebrity. I mean, you you mentioned how he got what a, a form some former Italian World Cup stars to to come to Chechnya and play at, at Putin's birthday two years ago. He's also had guys like Maradona, like. Uh, Bebeto, Romario, all these. So I mean, I mean, some of the greatest football players in the world have played in in Chechnya. Dimosov has played there uh, in friendly games. So he obviously know how to how to how to use these things to to his advantage to get these big stars. And then he's very good at at getting pictures taken with them for his for his uh, Instagram account. He also has um, he he gets t- tons of business from guys like Jean Claude Van Damme from uh, Steven Seagal, all these also big actors and big action stars who visit him. 
And yeah, as I said, he broadcasts on on Instagram. He he's sort of looked like a hero. He he's making a movie with himself in the in, in as the leading role in some strange action movie. And Chechnya actually has a film industry where they make films that promotes all these traditional values that that Kadidov also also value, uh, promotes. So it is a whole thing, a whole propaganda. T- uh, mechanism that that goes around him that makes him look strong that makes him look like a a tough guy also i think it's very interesting you, you don't normally see kadid wearing a suit for example he's always wearing fighting clothes or army clothes or mma clothes what i mean he he really is presented as as a tough guy someone you can mess with and yeah it's it i, I think it would be very very uh, naive to say that there is a Tarek without Kadyrov because it is, he he simply is the entire club. Everything uh, it goes around him, and you have to acknowledge that because you can you can't talk about football being divided from politics because when you talk about Tarek, it is basically the same thing. I mean, those two goes hand in hand in this case. Yeah, Andrew. I mean, we talk about Kadyrov, and in a way, it is sort of fun and games what we see his actions on. I mean fun and games in parody not actually oh this is actually quite funny it's actually this is funny because it's really wrong but actually there's a lot of serious incidents around here we've seen uh opposition fans die i mean obviously it happens but we've seen opposition fans die in Terek. i'm not suggesting that all Terek fans are horrendous people by the way but this is a huge issue that this kadir of sort of cults around in the club also like i said it le- sort of legitimizes that in a way because there's no nothing really being done about it because of the man in charge. Well, yeah, I mean, it's one of those situations where it's so hard to imagine the situation changing because of the complete omnipotence that, that he holds. I, I'm going to say something a bit controversial here. One thing I would say about Kadyrov is, well, not just about Kadyrov, but the nature of being a, a Russian club owner and a, and a president of a nation within Russia. You can't be a leader who who holds exactly the same values and runs, you know, runs a, a political sphere in the same way as a Western leader would and be successful at the same time. Now we've we've made the comment, and it is quite quite true and accurate, about his well, what Westerners would certainly view as almost laughable sociable media, social media presence. However, he does recognise what appeals to his people, and that can't be denied. Whether his morals are right, whether his um, decision-making is even sane, yet alone safe, um, that's, that's up to, for, well, not for debate, I'd say it's not, it's, it just isn't. But he knows how to operate. He is, in fact, a very, what's the right word here, shrewd politician in that he knows how to get the most out of out of his reach and he's 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 presented about the best possible um last 10 years i would suggest of of chechnya i mean it's there's still are many problems um but he has stabilized grozny at least and he he knows how to get support i'm not saying he does it the right way or he does it the most palatable way but he knows how to do it and i mean in one sense it's it's almost Christ, I don't want to say it's better, but it's almost um, worth considering the fact that he has at least got power 
instead of it being a complete mess and complete and utter chaos. Now, the problem now is how does how do we address the problems that are going on within Chechnya? At the moment, I'd say it's very unlikely that Putin is going to chastise him or, or bring him into line because he values the fact that he does what he wants and he values the fact that he, he is a strong leader, even if it's strong, not in the way that most other people would like. So I guess what I'm saying is that, it's of course, it's not a, a deal that everybody would like to to see happen forever, but there are some... God, it's so hard to say this. Not, I don't want to say benefits. Do you know what? Do no, you know I know, what I know exactly what you mean. Yeah. Do you know what I'm getting at? You know, it's like it's um, it's almost. I don't want to say it's a fair trade, but there are some things that are worth considering at the same time. Um, and it, but it's, it's how is it going to change? How do you honestly see this situation changing? And by that I mean Kadarov being in charge. Uh, I, I don't see it changing. Yeah, I mean. The way I see it, Andrew, personally, is I look. I compare Canada with someone like Tito in Yugoslavia, who sort of held that whole system together of so many different factions. And as soon as Tito went, we all know what happened in the end, horrible wars and everything. But, I mean, Andrew, you also said about whether it can move on. Now, Toker, I read something in a, a Chechen-based, um, I think it's a newspaper, but it, I read it online. Now, Terek fans, supposedly a fan group, want to change the name of the club. And now I mentioned already that the name of the club has Kad- Ahmad Kadyrov in it already because it's in his name technically. But they want to change the whole name to Kadyrov. Now, Ramzan has said, oh, we'll wait to the end of the season. But that just shows that this shows no no sign of stopping. Yeah, certainly. And it shows this. I mean, you can almost call it a propaganda tool again because naming it after Kadyrov, I think that, that proves just how how... How how much power he has, how much um, <laughs> how how he's seen. When I think when when we talk about how he has how he has stabilized Chechnya, how he's becoming popular, I think it's also important to note that he is very unpopular among a lot of people. I mean, there there's literally people wanting to to murder him, people who wants to to go to war with him, go to war with Russia. So. He's, he's a man who very much divides the nation, and you're either with him or against him. And on, when you're first on his bad side, then it's then it's very serious. I mean, we have we we often hear stories about powerful families in Chechnya trying to planning to to assassinate him. I'm, obviously, it's not always true, and obviously sometimes it's, it's just news that's planted. But they are a large part of uh, society that that strongly goes against him. I think that's also very important to to notice when, when you talk about him. Yeah, the other thing, Andrew, is uh, Ramzan's nephew, Khalid Kadyrov, uh, is in the Chechen, f- is, not Chechen, is in the Terek first team. So again, it's that vicious circle. Well, absolutely. I mean... Um, it, Although, very quickly, <laughs> having said that, you've got um, Steve and Ben Gibson at Middlesbrough, but I don't think that's quite as brutal. <laughs> yeah, I mean, to be fair, yeah, like you say, to be fair to Gibson, getting the call up to the English squad was... Was deserved. Kadyrov, on the other hand, uh, Khalid Kadyrov. Um, I mean, it's almost a Rottenberg, uh, Boris Rottenberg Jr. situation oh, God, in yeah. terms of playing sentiment. In that, you know, I mean, the guy's played. He's what twenty three, and he's only played four or started four times for Terek in well, technically seven professional seasons. So, um, I mean, his presence, he he will probably always be in the squad. Um, 
And in fact, I'm just looking at the stats. He's been on the bench 103 times and he's only actually got on the pitch 12 times. And that's in his entire professional career. Um, but I mean, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's yet another link. Like you say, name, renaming the club after... Well, the stadium's uh, already that. named after Akhmat as well. Akhmat Arena, exactly. I was just going to mention that. We haven't even technically mentioned that yet. The stadium named after Akhmat, the club being renamed, and I'm, I, I'd be very surprised if it wasn't. I can see that being exactly something that Ramzan Kadyrov would um, would get behind. Um, you know, and his, his nephew being in the squad, him being honorary president, which we realistically know means he is president um, in all but name. So, I mean, you could not get more ultimate control over a club, could you, really? Um, So, I mean, in terms of the football club, it's, uh, unless the worst happens, well, I say the worst, but I mean, unless Ramzan Kadyrov dies for whatever reason, I don't think he's ever going to relinquish control of the club. I mean, why would he in his position? It is effectively his, one of his most, um, uh, one of his most powerful, uh, one of his most powerful tools, politically, socially, um, on every level, so the club is in his grip. Make no, make no doubt about that. I mean, Toka. The other thing is, is the sponsor, I mean, Akmat Foundation. Do you want to go into a bit more on that? This is, I mean, this is just unbelievable. Yeah, the Akmat Foundation is another foundation controlled by Kadyrov. Obviously, it's uh, named after his father, and it's yeah. Well, obviously, it's not an, an NGO, but a foundation helping to fund the the, the rebuilding of, of Grasnia and, and Chechnya. I don't know very much about it, to be honest, but it it just shows that there's there's nothing going on that he is involved with in uh, in some way or another. Yeah, there's no sort of, I don't know, corners of sort of uninvolvement, if you like. Every, every angle is covered by Kadyrov here. Now, Andrew, the, the question I'd put is, we mentioned Terek's push for Europe. Now, I don't want to anger Terek fans here, but would Terek getting into Europe and being allowed to compete, say UEFA gloss over the the presidential situation, which is quite likely, let's be honest, is that bad for Russian football and possibly even Terek? Well, I mean, in terms of how how well they're likely to perform in Europe, um, I actually don't think they would perform too badly. If they if they made it into the Europa League, I'm sure they'd be able to sign one or two better players to strengthen their squad for whichever. I mean, we're talking hypothetically here at this point. Um, any teams visiting Terek now, it does depend a bit, I guess, on exactly where they would be allowed. To well, the play way the home. way I see it, we saw Angie go to Moscow a few years ago. I yeah, imagine exactly. it'd be a similar situation. Yeah, I mean that, that's what I that's what I'd imagine too. Um, I mean that would be quite an odd atmosphere, wouldn't it? Really, um, one of my one of my friends and colleagues here, well, he doesn't actually live in Tumen anymore, but he used to work in Moscow. And he went as a Newcastle fan. He went to the Angie Newcastle game, uh, and he said it was a very odd atmosphere because it was in the Luzhniki, and it, obviously Luzhniki holding eighty thousand. And for that game, I don't know exactly what the attendance was, but it certainly wasn't eighty thousand. <laughs> um, and and you know, add to the fact that Angie being. You know, I mean, I'm not trying to completely link Chechnya and Dagestan, but their relationship with Moscow and northern regions of Russia are not entirely different. So if Terek were to host their games there, um, you know, the the atmosphere for visiting clubs would still be relatively difficult. Um, and, 
that would play to Tarek's advantage. And don't forget as well that until before this season, uh, under Rashid Rakhimov, Tarek have been a very, well, usually, traditionally, a very stable defensive, defensively solid team. Uh, they've conceded a few more goals than they usually do this season. But, um, you know, playing away from home, I'm sure they would make life difficult for the average Europa League side. Um, but to me, really, the problem is is the, a political one, an image one, if you like. Um, how would UEFA allow it? How would they be able to deal with it? How would the media cope with it? You can just imagine, just imagine the Western media furor that would just whip up if Terry did get into Europe. Well, to be um, honest, I'm, quite quite rightly as well, let's be fair. Well, no, no, I mean, that's what I was about to come on to. I'm not, I'm, it, it would be quite quite right in 99% of it. Um, so, God, it would be an awkward... I would not like to be in the UEFA offices um, when Terry qualified for Europe, I'll be honest. Um, so, tricky one to negotiate that. I mean, Toka, the same question to you, really. I mean, what happens if they get into Europe? I can imagine they'll have to play their games somewhere else, like, like Andrew did. And uh, Andrew just mentioned the problems that could cause uh, brilliantly. I think something else you have to, to regard this is how would the fans of the club in the in what the new home city of Turek, how would they react when Antje played in Moscow in, uh, back in the days? That's that's a couple of years ago now. There was a huge um, criticism of it by from the fans of, of CSKA, Spartak, of Lokomotiv, Dynamo, all these northern clubs were very much against Antje playing in the city. There were stories of people abusing Antje fans. Uh, People from Caucasus, uh, they would put offensive stickers around the stadiums. And they didn't want the stadium to be used by Anji, um, because we obviously have this we have this very um, problematic relationship between the northern clubs and the the Anji and 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 Terek in the Caucasus. And I've I've even heard stories, for example, at Syscap, if if you want a, a season ticket for the ultra for the ultra second. You're not. You can't get one if you had been to Terek or Anji on an away trip. They have simply been boycotting those games for years because they have, they don't feel safe when they go there. As I say, um, there have been many stories of 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 Siska uh, fans, for example, being attacked when they go there with the buses or they are cars. They're being attacked or by by locals. So now they're completely boycotting the game. The games down there. I believe it's. It has. Uh, it's not as serious anymore. They they are away fans these days, but it's still uh, something that's being held up by by many clubs in the northern Russia. And so, yeah, that's that's another aspect to consider if they are to move the games to to say Moscow for for uh, a possible Europa League. Maybe not next season, but next season again. I mean, just before we finish off, Andrew, and this will go to you as well, Toka. There's a couple of questions I think here. We we haven't even mentioned uh, Ruud Hullet, who was hired as head coach a few years ago and then sacked after six months for his party lifestyle. These celebrities that come along to Terek really legitimise it. And so that's one question. Should they sort of have more responsibility? And also, it's too late now, surely, to do anything, given the whole situation in Chechnya. It's just too late. Well, yeah, I mean, you make a very good point. I think those uh, those figures that we've mentioned, and there are so many of them uh, that have come, they they can't honestly say that they are not aware of at least some extent of 
what has gone on in Cheshire and, and what and what is allowed to continue happening there. And I agree. I think they bear some responsibility, certainly, for legitimising um, Kadyrov and the way he runs his region and his club. So, yeah, I mean, Ruud Hullet coming was one of the most bizarre appointments because, to me, I was surprised that he arrived in the first place. Why? It's, it's not the sort of figure I would have imagined Kadyrov would have wanted to spearhead, um, to lead his team. I mean, he. we know he's... I mean, in one sense, yes, OK, it's a big name and he does like bringing these big names over, but to lead the team itself, that was odd. You know, bringing Kulit over... Sexy to, uh, football, uh, though, Andrew. Well, yeah, <laughs> se- sexy football and Grosny are not two phrases I'd generally put <laughs> together, really, but um, even with those flowing locks of Hullet, but No, I mean, Rude Hullet coming over for, you know, uh, an exhibition friendly of, you know, world stars, that makes sense. But, you know, the, the, the figures within the club, the players that play for them... You know, we've mentioned already the foreigners that play for Terek are not huge, big name stars, and that fits in with well it, with the style that they play and the identity of the club. So, pull it come over was always a disaster waiting to happen. Um, but yeah, I well yeah, I agree with you what you mentioned, Thomas, um, about the role that high profile players, coaches, um, former stars, I, the role they've played in in being pictured alongside Kadyrov, it, it doesn't sit desperately well with me. And I think that would be, if any, that would be the place to start on trying to, well, I'm not going to say oust Kadyrov because that's not going to happen, but to delegitimize how Chechnya is run. And that, that would be the place to start, I guess. I mean, Toka, I, I mean, your take on that as well, obviously, I'd quite like to hear. But also the fact that it is too late. We've mentioned the UEFA thing because the point is, UEFA would just gloss over it, this whole mess. They would just gloss over it, and therefore it's too late. Yeah, and at the end of the day, it all, it, it all comes down to how, how Russia and how Russian football is run. I mean, you have regional government controlling clubs all over the country, so it's very important to remember that this is not only a cherry thing. Of course, it, the, 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 the big difference here is, is how much Kadidov is, is involved, of course, and how visible he is. But local governments all over Russia run the club and, and pay for all expenditures. So this, this is far from a unique thing. And it, it just it's just how Russian football is organized these days, unfortunately. Um, and that that just makes it so much easier for, for someone like Tarek to, to run the way they are. I think regarding the European football, I, th- I think it's only a question of time before the, they qualify. I mean, they, they, they didn't qualify back in 2004 when they won the cup. And I think sooner or later they'll qualify again. It's one of the, at the end of the day, it's one of the most stable Russian clubs these days because the, the funding, it, it they know the money are coming. They pay the players on time. They have enough money to 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 buy good players. I mean, this summer they they send uh, Rubus to Lyon, so that proves that it is it is a good team. Um, so yeah, it's 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 just a matter of time before they qualify for Europe and. By then we'll see, we'll see what UEFA does and and how everyone will react to it. Yeah, I'm just um, trying to get the pictures up to see who who Terek have and where they are in the table. Just off the top of your head, do you know where they are in the table for this season? I know they probably won't qualify this season. But they're down in yeah. Eighth I mean, it, it, by, the, by, the, points, yeah. by the start of the spring, it looked like they they were about to qualify, but 
I think they've only won one game this spring. They are, they're still only uh, five points behind Krasnodar. I think they're eight, but they're not playing very well at the moment. So it, it's looked, it looks difficult for them. Yeah, and they've got a tough trip to Ruben on Wednesday night. So anyway, fellas, that's that brings the end of this podcast. I mean, I really hope that the listeners had a really good insight into it because us, just to let listeners know, the, the three of us have really sort of been planning this for quite a while, actually. We meant to do it earlier in the season, but then various other circumstances got in the way. But again, Andrew, Toker, it's been fantastic as always. Thank you both. Cheers, Tom. Thanks for having us. That's always a pleasure. Lovely. So, as per usual to the listeners, uh, RussianFootballNews.com is the website, at RussFootballNews on Twitter. Um, do subscribe to us on SoundCloud and also um, on iTunes as well. I think you can leave a review there, which is very nice. Um, Russian Football News Facebook page. Andrew, I know you're heavily involved with that. So is there anything you've got lined up on there? Uh, yeah, just just briefly, actually, I wouldn't mind mentioning. the um, We've got the Predictions League running. Um, and uh, I've, I've really enjoyed running that this season. But this week is is a bit, a bit chaotic, really, because like you mentioned, we've got a round of midweek games. So... Um, by the time this comes out, people will need to be uh, submitting their predictions for the round 25 of games. So, guys, keep, keep your eyes peeled for that notice. That will be coming up soon. Yeah, the first matches are on Tuesday and it's Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. So, again, it just leaves me to say thank you for listening and uh, we'll see you on the next podcast.